This episode of the Consulting Pipeline Podcast is brought to you by ReferralCourse.net. If you are anything like 80% of the generalists that I have worked with who are interested in specializing, really, if you're anything like 80% of generalist uh, self-employed software developers, period, the primary source of your revenue and your business development is referrals and repeat business. That is a good thing and a bad thing. It's a good thing because referral business tends to close faster and cost you less in, in, from a business development perspective than almost any other kind of business. That's awesome. It's bad if referrals are your only source of new business, but that is in part what this podcast is here to help you change. That said, almost any, everyone I've ever spoken to has a rather casual approach to cultivating referrals, and they could be doing more if they knew what to be doing. It's a little strange when you think about starting to become more intentional and exert more control over the referral process because you're, you tend to be uncertain how to do that. Do I just call people up and ask them to refer me? What if they don't refer me? What if they draw a blank? What if they are offended by me taking the initiative to even ask for this? The answers to these questions and many more are contained in my friend Kai Davis's referral course. So it's a, it's a fairly short, very focused educational resource that's meant to help you learn how to get better at getting referrals. If you go to referralcourse.net, that's the website that sends you over to a page where you can buy this product. And by the way, if you are like me and not gifted at spelling, <laughs> that's referral with one F, three R's, so R-E-F-E-R-R-A-L course.net, that's the URL. Um, and, if you use the discount code, let me see, Infinite Pipeline is the code you can use. That'll give you 15 bucks off. That's a 20% discount off your purchase of this course. So again, referralcourse.net. Use the discount code Infinite Pipeline, all one word, no spaces, Infinite Pipeline, to get 20% off of that. And really do consider two things. One is getting to where you're not completely dependent on referrals, but in the short term, get to where referrals are actually working better and producing better results for you using this course from Kai Davis. Okay, so another brave soul has made use of the Consulting Pipeline Answer Hotline. Uh, I've got a question that was uh, phoned in uh, sometime last week. And I'm going to play that question for you and then do my best to give it a thorough answer. Hey, Philip. This is Ryan Clover. My website is ryanclover.com. If you go to it, you'll notice that I'm very generalist in the way that I present myself. And I didn't actually notice this until it was pointed out to me by somebody because I've been listening to your work for a while, really trying to focus as much as I can and you can probably tell that I'm fairly new at running my consulting business. 
because I don't really identify anywhere who my specific audience is, my ideal client is. Even though I know who that is and I can describe that person in detail, I feel so afraid to do it. I guess my question is, I've been listening to your uh, advice and I've been reading and getting more and more clear, but I'm scared of cutting people off. I'm scared of drawing a line in the sand. And I'm wondering um, if there was a definitive <laughs> resource that, or advice that you might have that might tip me over the edge, you know, that might really just give me that final push of courage to specialize. Um, what would that be? Thank you so much for everything that you've been offering to those of us who listen to your podcast. And I look forward to hearing your your answer. I'm learning a little bit more. Bye. Hey, thanks, Ryan, for your question. Aside from me uh, coming up there and sort of doing like that Chris Farley skit in Saturday Night Live where I've been locked in the basement drinking espresso for six hours and yelling at you about uh, living in a van down by the river, aside from that, <laughs> here's here's the best I can do. So you are feeling what I call the fear, which is a sort of collection of specific fears that almost every human being feels when they're pondering that transition in their own business from generalist to specialist. I felt it myself, almost everybody I've spoken to with just a very few rare exceptions has felt this as well. And you're feeling the loss aversion part of it. Like what if I publicly declare this, this change, or I, I don't declare it, I just do it, and people find out about it when they visit my website, and I say, I serve this type of audience or this type of client. And you don't water it down by saying, oh, and we also do some other things for other people as well, so you know, if that's not you, don't worry, we can help you. That would be watering it down. So if you don't do that, but if you do this very... It, I mean, you're right. It, it takes courage. So if you do this very bold thing and, uh, and, and start making this change, you're feeling like you may lose out on desirable work. And the, I guess the, the dirty secret part of the answer is you will, in fact, lose out on desirable work. So that trade-off, that bargain of I'm going to declare a specialization, I'm going to make a statement about who I will and will not work with, and if you you know back that up with action, then it will actually it will have it will have the consequences that you fear. Uh, I mean, let's just get that out of the way right now. You will miss out on what you might now consider desirable work. The problem is, it it is a trade off. The problem is the benefit of that trade off sometimes does not happen immediately. The benefit is you get far better, far more desirable work as a result of making that courageous choice. But it does not happen overnight. And that's the, that's the problem. You can understand how the benefits work. You can see how they would actually work for you. Like you can see it. You can picture it. You can visualize it. You have a vision at this point, most likely, if you're like most people who are at this point. You have a vision for what kind of benefits could come out of making this specialization choice. But 
they will take time to actually materialize. And in the meantime, you've got this part of your mind, which does have your best interest at heart. I mean, well, let's, let's be more sophisticated about how we say that it has your safety in mind, this, this part of your mind. Seth Godin calls it the amygdala. That's his sort of way of evoking a biological frame of reference for this. I call it the fear. It's all the same thing. It's the part of your mind which has, has as its primary concern protecting you. And right now, that part of your mind sees safety in versatility, in being able to say, why, yes, I can build a website for you. Um, no, it doesn't matter what kind of company you are. We build websites for everybody. Like that, the part of your mind sees that as the most safe way for you to conduct your business. And until that part of your mind has tasted of the good stuff, which is people seeking you out because you have expertise that they value, then it's really hard to convince that part of your mind that this really is in your best interest. And you're just kind of, um, I want to say stuck with, but that's not the right word. You just have to balance out what that part of your mind is telling you, sometimes screaming at you with this vision that you have of how things could be better. And the vision is not a fantasy at all, it, but it does require, I want to say, a little bit of faith at first. Now, that's kind of the, uh, I suppose, the, the prologue to my answer. When I work with people, I want to kind of walk you through how we deal with this when I'm working one-on-one -on -one with people or working with people in my accelerator program because there's, there's no reason for that knowledge to stay locked inside those, those situations. I'm happy to share how this works. So you are feeling, um, and again, I just I want to say, Ryan, I'm not like singling you out. I am speaking directly to your question, but your question is so representative of what, uh, so, I mean, just literally, I mean, as far as I can tell, there's about 13 million uh, software developers worldwide, and maybe 30, 40% of those are self-employed. So, you know, there's at least three, four other million people who might be feeling what you're feeling <laughs> if they were pondering the same question about specializing. So anyway, um, it's a very common thing. And again, I'm, I'm speaking directly to you, Ryan, but also not trying not to single you out. So he here's how we deal with this. You're, you're, ha you're undergoing some feelings which are saying, maybe don't do that specialization thing. We need to bring some objectivity to the situation. So if we were in a real-time conversation, I would say, Ryan, how many leads have you gotten from your website over the past year? Or I might phrase it differently. I might say, tell me where your leads come from. When you get people inquiring about new work, how do they find out about you? Those are all different ways of saying essentially the same thing. But it gets real specific when I say, how many of those leads was your website responsible for generating? And most people say something like one a month or one a year at most, at most. Now, a lot of the people I work with, uh, you know, software projects are pretty diverse in how they can uh, play out. But most of the people I work with, uh, when I say how many clients would you have to have to have a great year, everything else remaining equal, they're going to say between six and 10 most of the time. Yeah, there's some 
you know, folks who do have a sort of smaller projects, higher turnover, but most people are like, wow, yeah, if I could have six or 10 clients a year, I'd be busy all year. Uh, and I would just be having a great year, all things being equal. So what I'm saying is you don't need a ton of leads coming in from your website and maybe one lead a month for some people might be all they need. Even so, my larger point is this. Most people's website is doing jack shit to produce leads for their business. Okay, the next question I would ask is, so if your website went down for a month, what would happen to your business based on what you just told me? And I asked the first question first because I don't want someone to feel that loss aversion and then give me a, basically distort their answer based on that fear. So if someone said, well, I get one lead a year for my website, I would say then say, okay, so if your website was down for a year, you'd miss out on that one lead, right? Would anything else negative happen? Can, can you prove it to me? Can you, uh, you know, factually claim that anything else negative would happen? And I'm not really, I'm not trying to be mean when I say this, but most people are forced to admit that their website is not doing much to generate leads for their business. Now, maybe it has a sort of secondary ben, uh, uh, role or function of reinforcing what they tell people they do or building some trust or making them look like a real business or being a brochure that kind of explains the fact that they have all these different services. But sure, it can do that. But in terms of actually generating leads, very few people that I speak with who are operating as a generalist have figured out how to make their website generate leads because it's a chicken and an egg thing. <laughs> Without a, a focused uh, position or a way, a, a specialist value claim, uh, proposition, then there's really not much on your website that gets people excited about working with you. So again, if you're like 80% of solo generalists, the answer to those questions are, well, my website generates like maybe one lead a, a year or you know, at the out, outside, people might say, yeah, one lead a month. And then if I say, what would happen if your website went down for a month? The, the honest answer in, in most cases is not much. <laughs> so if th that it describes you, and I don't know that it does because we haven't, you know, I haven't asked you these questions. So you have to kind of ask them of yourself. But if that's the situation you're in where your website is doing very little in terms of measurable results for lead generation, then you can change your web presence now. And also you can know that changing your web presence is not going to do much in the short term to benefit your business. That's the sort of, un, you know, not so fun part of this is if your website is not doing much now to generate leads, then making a change to it is not going to dramatically make it become a lead generating machine overnight. It has to be a part of a concerted group of changes that are bigger than just your website for that to start happening. Okay, now I know what question comes up next. <laughs> the question that always comes up next when I say, well, you know, if your website's not generating leads right now, just go ahead and change it. There's no downside. In, I don't know, half the cases, I get the following question. But I do get a lot of business from referrals. And so when someone refers me, I'm pretty sure that the person they referred me to goes to my website to see what I'm all about before they contact me. And I would say, great, what evidence do you have that that happens? <laughs> and then if I was presented with uh, actual evidence that that actually happens, then I would say, okay, I hear you. 
We're going to do this in two, two steps. The first step is that you're going to get involved in this referral process and not have it all be outside of your control. You're going to do something like equip your, uh, the people who could refer you or who are referring you with some materials that they can use as a part of that referral process. And we're going to make it so that those materials are what the people who are being referred to you see instead of your website. I'm not sure if I'm explaining that well. And if not, phone in again with another question. I'd love to hear it. But uh, that's why I chose uh, Kai for today's sponsor is, and his uh, referrals um, product, his referral course product, is because it really talks about how you take referrals, which for most people is sort of like a windfall in that they don't really exert any control over it. It just sort of happens to them. And it, part of what his course is all about is exercising more control and changing that from a random act of uh, chance to something that you actually are proactive about. So again, the context here is what if you're one of those rare people who can prove to me that your website is involved in the referral process? If that's the case, then you need to change the referral process. And you can't do that 100% of the time, but you can start to exert control over it. And then once you have taken the action to um, exert control over the referral process, then you can feel a little more comfortable about changing your website. But you use the word courage, and ultimately that's what it boils down to. At some point, you will have to make a decision, and maybe now's not the right time. I, I'm not saying that now is the right time for everybody or for you sp specifically, Ryan. But at some point, you'll have to say, okay, I am going to do this. And for most people, the right time to make that decision is when they have some momentum coming in through referrals, repeat business, and they can that sort of frees them up to make changes to their website. And again, for most people, those changes actually, you know, they're, they're doing them in, in public online, but nobody's actually caring what's on your website. So in a, in, a, in, a, in a sense, those changes are happening kind of in a way that doesn't really affect anything. But if they're part of a larger system of designing a lead generation practice, then they start to matter. So anyway, it's a bit of a chicken and an egg situation. The most successful people say no a lot. I don't think it's because they like saying no. I think it's because they have to. There's a lot of demand for their expertise, for their services. You can't just start saying no as a way to become successful. That's the chicken and the egg situation. Is you want to get to that point where the demand for your services forces you to say no a lot. That's what people expect to see from a successful specialist, from a successful expert. But as generalists who are driven by the amygdala, <laughs> who are driven by that fear of like, oh my gosh, what if I say no, I might never get another project again. It's easy for us to become yes men and yes women and yes people. And just say yes to everything that looks like an opportunity. And that works against our ability to get to that point where we have to say no. So I would say start learning to just start practicing saying no in whatever is the easiest way for you. For me, that was starting to 
screen clients a little better. That was really one of my first moves towards specializing at all was saying, okay, I, I have said yes to some clients that I hated working with because I was a bad fit and I should have said no, but I said yes. Okay, it's not their fault. It's my fault for saying yes. And I'm talking, you know, years in the past here. If any of my current clients are listening and thinking, oh, is he talking about me? I'm not. <laughs> I've gotten much better in the last two, three years about uh, helping my clients decide if I'm the right person to help them. So thankfully. But it started with, uh, this is super dumb and simple sounding, but for me it was a very powerful uh, sort of transformation in my own business. I, I made a spreadsheet and I had about, I'm gonna say around 10 criteria that I identified as, okay, if, if I see this in this client or in the relationship that is starting to develop between me and this prospective client, it's a red flag. Like one example would be clients were slow to respond to emails. Like I, I saw how when that, when I saw that behavior, it did not change once they hired me and it affected the project in a negative way. So that went down as one of my criteria. And there were, again, about 10 of those. And the reason I put it in the spreadsheet was so that it would start to become more objective. So before I decided yes or no, am I going to work with this client, I would fill out that spreadsheet for them. It was the same you know, criteria for every prospective client. And I would just say, it was just kind of a binary thing. Do they exhibit this behavior? Do I see this red flag? And I actually <laughs> had a formula in the spreadsheet that would sum it up. And if they got a, below a certain score, then I said, I, I just, I had to make myself do it sometimes, but I, I would have to say no. So um, for me, that was an example of, that was one of the easiest places for me to start saying no. It, it did not feel like an existential threat I was far enough along that I knew if I said no to this prospective client that at some point another one would come along and things would basically be okay. It might be different for you. I, I'm not sure how exactly you might practice the saying no. But I, I, I do think it's actually sort of like a muscle you build up. And it's not a muscle you build up for the purposes of saying no uh, willy-nilly or for no good reason or just to, you know, be a jerk. You, it's you do it because it's I think a, it's actually a vital skill because you can't focus if you're not sometimes saying no to stuff that's outside that area of focus. And at first, trust me, I, I get it. It's terrifying. But eventually it becomes something that pushes your business forward because instead of, you know, as uh, I've heard said before, going an inch in every direction you can actually focus your efforts and move much more quickly in the direction you choose. Another thought for you about saying no, uh, there's this book by this guy, Jim Camp. I've re recommended it before in other um, venues, other podcasts. Here's the full title. It's kind of long. No, colon, the only negotiating system you need for work and home. Jim Camp has two books if you look on Amazon and just search Jim, J-I-M, Camp, C-A-M-P. And the other book, uh, unfortunately, I think is not nearly as good as the one I just pointed you to. The other book, unfortunately, is the only one that's available in Kindle. So the one that I've recommended to you right currently is only available in hardcover. And that's going to 
if you're like me, you're going to want to get the Kindle. Don't. <laughs> it's not nearly as good as this other one. It's the same basic ideas. It's just the presentation, I think, of the hardcover book is much better. And what I love about this book is it starts to help you think how saying no sometimes harms you. Now, everything that Jim Camp is talking about in this book is under the umbrella of negotiation, but it's so much more broadly applicable than just negotiation. So that's something I can recommend, I think, pretty wholeheartedly, really for anybody. Uh, maybe it won't resonate for we, with, with you. I've, I've certainly recommended this book to people who've, uh, I think, gotten the book, read it, and then never said, oh, that was great, Philip, <laughs> which is fine. So it, does, it, it clearly doesn't like resonate in the same way for everybody that it does for me. But I think if you are sort of concerned about what it would be like to start saying no or the idea of that starts to feel a little scary, I think this book may be actually very helpful to you. There's a saying that sales solves all ills. I'm not sure that's the exact quote, but I don't know who that came from, but I've heard it before in multiple places. Sales cures what's wrong with your business <laughs> because it gets, gets money coming in. Now, I think it's also true that not every client, not every sale is equally beneficial to your business, and some can certainly be harmful or toxic. Okay, so take that with a grain of salt. But my point right here is if you have leads coming in, people who are like responding to your value proposition, to your portfolio, to your positioning statement to how you specialize to any of that stuff, then you will find it so easy to be courageous and say no to the ones who are not a good fit. There's another saying that, um, I wonder if I'm going to remember this right. Um, basically the idea is when you have, it's like when, when you have plenty of money, that's when you need it the least. <laughs> And it's sort of like, well, that's obvious. But again, the people who have the most opportunity coming their way have the easiest time saying no to stuff that's not quite right. And I think this is, this is me making some assumptions here, but based on what you've told me about your business, Ryan, I think the easiest way to get a surplus of opportunity is to start a focused referral campaign. And when I say focused, I mean... You're not asking for any kind of referral. You're not asking for, you know, just, hey, do you need, know somebody who needs a website? The campaign is focused around the type of client you would like to specialize in serving. So in terms of proactive action, maybe don't change your website, actually, unless you're convinced, unless you have evidence that it does play a decisive role in generating new business for you. But again, if you're like most people I've ever talked to who are at your level uh, or whose business looks like yours, your website is doing nothing whatsoever in terms of business development, in terms of generating new business. So what you should do is use what's working and try to orient and narrow that stream of whatever activity or momentum you have in terms of referrals. Focus that first on the type of client you would like to attract. 
that may yield results very quickly. It might be a little bit of a longer term effort, like six, eight, 12 months. And once you see momentum there, then think about changing your website. Now, again, um, the referral campaign, if it's focused on attracting a certain type of client, may work better if you change your website to match and speak to the type of client you're trying to attract. That may give you a reason to change it now. But consider a focused referral campaign first and then maybe add a more ambitious lead generation campaign later. What I'm saying is think about lead generation. Here's maybe the, the complete TLDR of this now that I'm towards the end and trying to boil it down for you, Ryan. Get some leads coming in. Try to get the kind of leads you want coming in and use your website as a support tool to help make that happen. It's almost certain that the leads are not going to come from your website, from organic search traffic that's found you. That's just how it works. It's, the website is not the lever that moves things. The website needs to correspond and uh, match whatever lever you're using, but the website itself is almost never the lever that generates new business. It's never, almost never the engine that generates new business. It's almost always something you do either in your relationships with people or out there in the real world or online in front of somebody else's audience that's already established. Those are the things for most people that are the engines of business development. Your website is just a part of that process. So, Ryan, I hope that helps. This is getting a little bit long, and uh, I hope it's helpful to other people as well. That's my uh, best attempt at answering your question. You know where you know the phone number to call if that was uh, something that where you felt like I could go a little deeper or touch on something else. I, I just would be delighted to do that. And others out there who are listening, um, and. Uh, maybe have a question of their own, I hope you'll call the Consulting Pipeline Podcast answer line at 707-204-0717. It works just like you heard today with Ryan's question. I'll play your question on air and give it the most detailed uh, answer I possibly can. So here we are at the end of this episode of the Consulting Pipeline Podcast. As Paulo Coelho said, if you're brave enough to say goodbye, life will reward you with a new hello.